This is the GPL Podcast, sponsored by Vintage Minnesota Hockey, your exclusive source for throwback Minnesota jerseys. Visit VintageMNHockey.com. Now, here's Hammy, Vigo, and your host, Jupiter. Good evening and welcome to the GPL podcast number 112. Starting to run down on the season here. It's playoff time and we've got uh, plenty to talk about. Uh, Viggs, are you there? I'm here. Happy wow. to be here for the podcast. Wow, right on time. We were going to go on without you, but then I thought I saw you online there. So nice of you to join us. Hope you got the kids all tucked away. We'll see. We might have a, a BBC-like interruption <laughs> later. You know, nothing compares to, to a fire alarm going off in your house. That's true. <laughs> but a shouting toddler is always fun. But, uh, oh, but we're yeah. in there. Yeah, yeah you, like you yeah. said, have a BBC moment. Kid comes in and just disrupts the whole thing. Good God. Well, we were going to talk a little bit about recruiting while we waited for you, Viggs, but uh, since you're here, let's just dig right in. You know, we had the the Big Ten tournament this past weekend. Um, uh, our Gophers <laughs> were out in one game, uh, which obviously is not the greatest, but um, Hammy, um, this Penn State team came in, won three games, two of them in double overtime. Um, you can't really do anything but just give them complete credit because they earned it. I mean, to play that much hockey, to be able to win in two double overtime games, in three games in three days, uh, you got to really just kind of congratulate Penn State on a, on a great tournament. Yeah, you do. I mean, it's one of those things where uh, you know they're kind of fighting for their lives, and you know they. Uh, played some pretty tough hockey. You know, we knew that they, they're a team that likes to throw a lot of shots on goal, and that's pretty much what we saw. And, um, you know, so you do have to give them a lot of credit for, you know, really coming up big when they really needed to and actually winning three games instead of two. So they didn't even have the luxury of the bye. So it's uh, it's a pretty good weekend for them. What are your thoughts on it, uh, Vigo? I mean, can you really do anything but give them complete credit? Well, you have to. I, I was definitely as surprised as anyone that they were able to, to play, you know, the number of games they did and, and come through on top. I thought against Minnesota, they played great. Um, kind of surprising that Minnesota let them into the game a, a little bit here and there with so many turnovers and, and poor puck management, and they never really pressed their defense. But credit Penn State, they got the job done. The blueprint for building on D1 hockey program added another brick. They definitely did. Um, let's kind of go over what happened uh, last weekend. You know, Thursday afternoon, evening, we had Penn State defeating Michigan, Ohio State beating Michigan State, ending Michigan's season, both of them, um, in front of, uh, well, a not so uh, big crowd. In fact, I believe it was just over 200 or something ridiculous like that, actual attendance. We move on to Friday afternoon, Friday evening, where, you know, um, Wisconsin ended up uh, dispatching Ohio State, putting Ohio State right on the edge of uh, of making the tournament. And then, of course, we had that double overtime game with uh, 
Minnesota and Penn State. And let's talk about that game, Hammy. I mean, geez, uh, <laughs> not the, exactly the, the how we'd want it to end. I mean, over 60 shots, or I think around 60 shots or saves that uh, Shearhorn had to make. Um, this kind of hockey, we can't play at this time of year. I, I know we have the luxury of knowing that we're already in the tournament, but uh, I'm hoping at this time of year that uh, you're a little more prepared than that and could be able to run four lines and out-hustle and out-tire a, game, uh, a team that just played a game the day before, but that didn't happen. No, I mean, I, I don't know. I feel like... To me, the the second game isn't as big of a deal as it is to be the third game. I mean, they, they're still young guys. Um, back-to-backs are not uncommon, you know, especially when you're in youth hockey. Uh, so I, I think that sometimes a little bit of that is over, overdone. Um, but to me, the, the alarming thing is just the shots. I mean, even Penn State does, like I say, throw a lot of shots on goal. So you have to take that into consideration. But uh I did, you know, the shot numbers are really what you do not want to see um, heading into this time of the year. Um, some of it's, you know, you have to make sure it's not quality shots. I mean, they could be thrown from anywhere, and Penn State does, but uh, just some of the quality shots, you don't want to, you want to eliminate those. You want to be able to be able to shut down a team, and um, not that three goals. I mean, Shearhorn, you can't say that they didn't, they didn't lose because of him. I mean, he definitely played very well, and he's played well the last few months. Uh, so that is a good sign, but they definitely need to clamp down uh, defensively, especially now that it's uh, an elimination situation. What do you think, Vs? Is it uh, elimination situation? Um, uh, what went wrong for Minnesota Friday night? Well, I don't think they gave up a ton of quality scoring chances. I would, I would love to see the internal scoring chances metrics that the Gophers put together because I don't think the shots are really truly reflective of the game in terms of the quality of scoring chances given up either way. I think the problem with Minnesota was, you know, they had so many one and done situations, so many turnovers all over the ice. And the minute that happens, Penn state generates a shot, whether or not that basically equates to a a turnover in the game or, you know, just dumping the puck in basically is something else. But the turnovers are the thing that's concerning. And of course, offensive zone penalties, I think those are the two things that the coaches are, you know, have been hyping on all season is this team needs to address that. And part of it is that we've got players who are depth players trying to make fancy plays on the ice, and they're just not consistently able to deliver that. I think for this team to be effective, you know, they're going to have to rely on their their top line of Pitlick, Kloos, and Sheehy and their power play. Because if this team doesn't get rush scoring – they kind of put themselves in too many risky situations where they're going to have trouble scoring goals throughout the rest of their lineup. Well, you talk about uh, offensive zone penalties, and obviously that's uh, kind of what bit them in the butt Friday night in the second overtime when uh, I believe his Bristad took a penalty. Obviously, the referees love to put, swallow the whistle, but um, – you know, they're eventually going to call something in overtime. I don't care which team it's on. If You're eventually going to get busted. And, and like you say, an offensive zone penalty was just a, a bad deal, Viggs. Well, it's happened to them a couple times this year. They'll be in these tight games and they'll get overly aggressive on something or they'll get their stick in the wrong position. 
and they're 200 feet away from their net or 150 feet away from their net and they're getting caught. You know, if it's completely different than if there's, you know, a break going the other way and you have to take a guy down because he's beating you to your own net. But when you're on the forecheck, you got to be real conscious of not committing that penalty because Minnesota's penalty kill has not been great this year. And at the start of the year, I thought Shearhorn was trying to overread the play a little bit too much. And that was what was getting him in trouble. But now it's it's that traffic in front of the net, the inability to you know box out, and you know the penalty kill not working as a unit of four that's gotten them into trouble. Uh, you know the goal in overtime they just kind of weren't on the same page, let a, a backdoor pass happen, and not much Sheeran could do on that one. And that was right after you know you talked about you know role players trying to maybe do too much, and that's exactly what Romanco did. You know, he went into the offensive zone, had a fairly decent chance, and I don't recall who somebody was with him. Uh, who was with Romanco? Anyone? You guys remember? Might have been Ramsey. Yeah, and you know, and then you get outrushed the other way. There's a little bit of panic. Guys are a little bit out of position, and the game's over. Boom. Uh, Hammy, <laughs> you do that this time of year, your season's over. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely a time of year where you have to play really smart hockey. And, uh, you know, this isn't like a, the best of seven series. So you got one game and you're through if you screw it up. So uh, those little things really can cost you big time. So hopefully there's a little bit of a lesson learned with that. And, uh, you know, some of these guys need to realize that they don't have the skill level necessarily to be kind of pulling off certain kinds of plays. That it's better off to make the safe play this time of year and uh, hopefully – you know, these guys learn their lessons after that, after this last game. I don't so much fault Romanco for trying to make something out of the chance. It's a little bit that the other guys on the ice didn't back him up cautiously. You know, finish the scoring chance, but in the back get of the mind, you got to have get back. Don't let a rush come the other way and let us, you know, get caught out of position. Lucia said something really interesting at availability today. He said, for some guys, you know, it's a 50 50 chance. You know, maybe it's 60-40 if it's a Clues, Pitlick, Sheehy-type player. But for some of the other guys, a 50-50 is really a 10-90. Most of the time, something <laughs> bad's going to happen when they try to force a play. And that's exactly what happened. I mean, you had that bumbling play along the boards there where two guys kind of ran over each other, and all of a sudden, the puck's in the back of the net, game's over, Penn State moves on. Um well, we had Smatula and we had Glover back in the lineup after a long time. Uh, Hammy, what are your thoughts on, on – well, obviously, I think Smatula, we kind of knew what to expect from him, but Glover had not played in a while, Hammy. And how do you think he did filling in for Lindgren? Well, I mean, it's tough to – you know, when you, I mean, Lindgren is a freshman, obviously, but and but he's probably been um, outside of Bischoff, their, their next best defenseman. So, I mean, it, it's tough to kind of step in and – um, replace all of that. Uh, I don't know that I thought he played badly. Uh, I don't think that certainly, um, you know, you're going to be kind of shaking some of the rust off. So that's certainly going to play a role in it. Um, hopefully, you know, he got a little bit of that out of the system right away. And, um, you know, he's going to need to step up. There. I mean, defensively, the whole team's going to have to step up now. So, um, but I thought, you know, overall, given the, the situation, I thought he played pretty solid. Viggs, you know, Glover being back, you know, obviously his first game back in, in a while. Um, probably for him, having two overtimes and a pressure, high, highly pressure situation was probably pretty good for him. 
Yeah, that was one thing that I think we were all hoping to get out of this game was for guys to get some ice time and get acclimated to the pace of play. And there's nothing that does that like a elimination overtime game, especially one that goes as long as this one did. You know, I thought both guys looked fine. I thought Smatula maybe was fighting it just a little bit, which is something to be expected coming back after missing a month. I thought uh, Glover looked pretty solid out there. He's he's a big defenseman who can make nice plays in his D zone, and he's probably one of the better guys at transition. I think the last couple times he'd been in the lineup this year, he'd been forcing things to happen a little bit, which got him in trouble. And in a game like he played last weekend, he was just smart, playing the percentages, and that's that's something that the lower depth guys need to do for this team to be successful in the tournament. Moving on to the championship game, we had uh, Wisconsin playing uh, Penn State, and I got to be honest, guys, I I thought for sure that Penn State was going to run out of gas, and they, you know there was times where they did run out of gas, and I thought they were not playing very smart. You know, a lot of times they'd get their puck in their defensive zone, and their forwards would take off, and uh, they it just it seems like they weren't playing smart, but but. Viggs, they came through in the end. They, you know, they were tired, but they managed. You know, <laughs> Jones played wonderful in net, and sure enough, they win the game in double overtime. And uh, wow, <laughs> I, I, I was, I was, just, I was just really impressed. You know, playing so much hockey, and you know, and Wisconsin had played one game, and then you know, Penn State had played two and a half games, and it's uh, they, they came through and eliminated Wisconsin from the NCAA's. Yeah, it looked to me watching that Wisconsin was the team with tired legs. You know, they would they just did not seem engaged enough, and they weren't an aggressive team. Even Cunning and Frederick uh, looked kind of slow at times, which was kind of surprising to me. Uh, and Peyton Jones played great for Penn State all weekend. I thought he was probably their best player. Uh, really, you know, for a freshman to play that well and lead the team to a NCAA berth was impressive for them and probably the key that's been missing to their program to date was a, was a big time goaltender and Peyton Jones really came to the stage in that one. Kind of sounded weird for a second there, but, but you came back. So you, you sound good again. Now. <laughs> <laughs> it was really weird. It's, oh boy. Well, um, Hammy, you know, obviously impressive win by Penn state. Um, but, uh, you know, Saturday night, we're all sitting there waiting to see where, how it's going to, how it's going to turn out, you know, we had some other games going on in other conferences. Will Minnesota be, you know, a four seed? Will they be a six seed or at least in the rankings? And it came down to it that uh, Penn State needed to win to get Minnesota that number four seed, the last number one seed. And it was by, what, two or one thousandths of a point in the pairwise. Um, but it turns out that just that little bit was uh, enough to get Minnesota that number one seed in the, in the tournament. So, um, what were you thoughts Saturday night thinking? Did you really think that Penn State was going to pull this out? And essentially, you know, they gave a ticket to the tournament for Ohio State and eliminated Wisconsin. Yeah, I mean, it was, I certainly didn't. Obviously, we talked about last week who we thought was, was going to be the winner and all that. So I, I obviously didn't pick Penn State to be the team that's going to be doing that. But, um, you know, I, I think that they, they played such you know, they played the kind of hockey. I mean, you have to have your goalie be your best player, and I, certainly they got that. Um, you know, Wisconsin, I mean, they've been kind of a little bit up and down um, in the last handful of weeks. I mean, they lost 
you know, they lost, they split with us. They had that uh, weekend where they gave up a lot of goals to Penn State at Penn State, uh, even though they split that series. They lost two to Ohio State. Um, they did beat them, of course, um, in the Big Ten tournament. But then, you know, so they haven't been playing great hockey. So I guess in a way, I can't say I was shocked by it, but uh, you would think that given the amount of game or, you know, ice time at Penn State had played at that point that, uh, you know, they would certainly have a ton more tired legs and it just didn't turn out to be that way. Well, you could see in the overtime, there were times where they were getting completely outplayed, couldn't get guys off the ice, uh, but they survived Viggs. And, uh, but I, like I said, all the credit to them. Yeah, I think Penn State could be a dangerous team in the tournament. I, I don't expect them to go very far, but they showed this past weekend that they, they can compete. And especially if they if they run into a team that doesn't have a steady goaltender, it's going to get you in trouble against Penn State. Uh, I would say so. You know, with the, I mean, you know, they didn't put up as many shots against Wisconsin. Wisconsin was able to shut them down, unlike Minnesota. But uh, it didn't matter in the end. They 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 ended up eliminating Wisconsin, which is, uh, you know, obviously we need Wisconsin to be good for the conference to be good. But uh, I think a lot of us still enjoyed watching Wisconsin be eliminated from the tournament. And Wisconsin did have a very successful season. Oh, they did. I think being picked fifth to finish in the conference by the coaches at the start of the year and then to finish second was a a nice achievement for them. They just came up a little bit short. You know, you always talk about motivation in in these games, and you almost kind of wonder if Wisconsin was just kind of satisfied to be back among the top teams in the Big Ten and they didn't really have expectations to go to the NCAA tournament. So if that you know, played into how they played against Penn State. So Wisconsin's back, guys. Um, obviously, they didn't quite make the tournament. They are pretty much the last team out. Um, uh, and then what we thought may happen, but we're not sure, but Tom Anastas at Michigan State decided to uh, resign yesterday. Um, what's going to happen there, Hammy? Who are they going to get? I mean... You know, we've been kind of seeing the last few years that it's it's not just the fans that aren't really behind the program there. It's the it's the university. So it's it's a lot more than just coaching there. They need some support and I don't know what kind of direction they're gonna go in. Uh it's hard to say. I mean I, I don't know. I'm to be honest, I have no idea what kind of candidates they might be looking at if they're gonna look for somebody who's established or if it's somebody that's maybe a little bit younger that maybe has a little bit more of a fire in in them. You know, it's hard to say they definitely, you know, in a sense need a little bit of a, a PJ Fleck type of, you know, (laughs) injection of enthusiasm, you know, and so, I mean, we'll, we'll see what happens, but uh, it's definitely a program. I mean, it wasn't that long ago where they won a national title. So, I mean, uh, you know, the capabilities are there. It's just a matter of getting the right person and involved and, um, you know, if we want the conference to be good, we certainly need um, every team to have a uh, pretty good coaching staff. And, you know, not everybody's going to be a winner in a conference, but you want to get you want teams to be competitive nonetheless. Well, uh, a few people threw out Gwazdecki today. What do you think uh, Gwazdecki would do there, Viggs? Well, I think he'd be great for, for Michigan State. I, I saw a tweet today from someone who worked for the Lansing State Journal say that Anything Michigan State got the lowest number of clicks on their website. Just saying the interest on the on the program is so down. You bring in a guy like Gwazdecki, very personable, very vocal, very media friendly guy. Uh, has had a lot of success 
I would love to have him back in college hockey. He's, he's an entertaining guy to have at press conferences. He um, most certainly he does is. have a cushy. He does have a cushy job right now in in Colorado with a with a prep school that he's been there for two years. And when he took the job, he wasn't sure if it was going to be a bridge type situation to go back to college hockey or if it was going to be what he was going to pursue long term. But he would be a great hire for them. I agree. He would be a great hire. You know, you you have a lot of fans that only kind of see certain sides of Kwasdecki. They think, oh, he's a power suit guy. He's snobby. You know, he's just not that at all. Like you say, he's very personable. Um, uh, and I think he could make them a winner pretty quick. But it would cost uh, Michigan State quite a bit of money, and I don't know if they've got the resources right now or the support from the university to be able to pull that kind of coach in. Well, you look at the budgets for the Big Ten schools, and with the Big Ten network checks going up about $12, 13000000 next year at least, now, there is money there for a coach. You're not looking at someone who, like P.J. Fleck, is going to get a $20 million deal. You know, even the top coaches in college hockey don't approach a million a year. So there, there's some wiggle room there if that's what they wanted to do. But there's a lot of good assistants around the country who could be a good candidate for that job as well. You might need someone who's young, maybe um, like Danton Cole, who's working with the U.S. National Development Team. You know, if Michigan State can get a couple guys from Ann Arbor on East Lansing's campus, that would be a, a big thing for them, too. Funny, uh, right as you mentioned that name, that's who Tom's mentioned uh, uh, in, in the Mixler chat. He says, what about Dan Claude from the development <laughs> team? So um, you guys are thinking along the same lines. So great minds think alike, huh, Tom's? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, we'll just have to see with, with Michigan State. Obviously, obviously they've been terrible. Um, and, and it is like we we said it's it's not just the coaching it it's it's the support from the university it's kind of the whole deal so and like you said with the money coming in if they wanted to yes they could get a Gwazdecki. Um I I'd like to see that just like you would so uh, we'll just have to wait and see I'm guessing we'll know within the next couple of weeks. Michigan State as a whole is pretty solid with their football program basketball program yes. unless D'Antonio or Izzo wants to retire. You know they're set there for long term with their head coaches, so they they probably have some room to put in some money into their hockey program if if they can get some fundraising behind it as well. I would agree with that. Well, before we move on to uh, quite a few uh, Twitter questions and uh, the NCAA tournament, let's listen to our sponsor. VintageMNHockey.com is a proud sponsor of the GPL podcast. Well, what is Vintage MN Hockey? Well. It's kind of the place to get all of your history of Minnesota hockey, from the pros to the minors, the collegiate teams, to even the high school teams. All information about any of those teams can be found on VintageMNHockey.com. They also have great interviews with some historical Minnesota hockey figures like John Mayasich and Lou Nanny, Glenn Sonmore, some of the greats of Minnesota hockey. So make sure you check out those interviews. It's a really great thing. But as like I always say, I think my favorite part is the store. The store, you can buy a custom historical jersey from the Gophers or the Bulldogs or some of your favorite high school teams. And if you do make a purchase, just use the code GPLPODCAST, all one word, and you'll get 10% off your order. So make sure you visit VintageMNHockey.com and follow them on Twitter at VintageMNHockey. So let's dive into the Twitter questions this week. Uh, if you're listening live or listening uh, you know, later on, uh, you can always send us a, 
a tweet. Just use the hashtag GPL podcast and we'll uh, try to answer your question or talk about your topic that you may uh, throw at us. Uh, we've got John Candells. He wants to know, is there any carryover from the heartbreaking loss Friday that could affect this team? What do you think, Hammy? you think there could be any carryover from that uh, one and done at the Big Ten tournament? Whoa. Hold on there, Hammy. Hold on there, Hammy. You completely- What's wrong? Oh, wait, now you're back. <laughs> you're really sounding bad there for a second. Okay. Oh, you're still sounding bad. All right. Can well, you hear th- me now? I can hear you a little better now. Are you good now? <laughs> Yeah, we can hear you now. Go ahead. Okay. <laughs> Any carryover? Uh, I was gonna, I was gonna say that the, uh, you know, everybody tries to read tea leaves uh, this time of year, but we've seen situations where um, a team looks good and then they flop in their first game or two, or you know, I remember when Denver won one of their national titles. You know, they had, I think they had lost at the WCHA Final Five, like where did I don't even know if they got there. I can't remember exactly what it was, but they ended up winning a national title. So. Um, you know, you, you can't read too much into anything. I think, uh, it's just a matter of if teams learn their lesson or not, uh, if they do happen to lose and how they adjust from that loss. And Viggs, one thing that people, we always have to take into account is, you know, whether or not the team says we're going for that hardware, we're going for that hardware. They know in the back of their mind that they're going to be playing next weekend. And that was the case this past weekend. Yeah, I mean, they knew they were going to be playing a tough team in the NCAA tournament, whether they're one seed or, you know, a two seed. You know, they were going to play a tough team. They weren't playing the Atlantic hockey, you know, bid, auto bid. So not much to play for. I think a lot like the Saturday Michigan State game, you know, it's hard to get engaged when you're playing against a team that's really motivated and you're just kind of maybe motivated. And you've got guys who are who are just going through the motions a little bit, not acting like it's an elimination type game. Um, so I don't really think there'll be much of a hangover. I think the players are going to be motivated for tournament success. I think that's something that the guys have talked about all season. They weren't talking about you know winning a playoff championship. They were talking about winning an NCAA championship. So I think you're going to see a more motivated group this weekend. Tim Hapke would like to know, some GPLers have been critical of Lucia and his playoff prep. Your thoughts? Are we critical? Should we be critical on Lucia and his prep for the team and the NCAAs, Hammy? Uh, I mean, I guess I I would say, how would you know how the good or prep is or not? I mean, if you're just <laughs> judging on wins and loss. I mean, you know what I'm saying? It's like I understand. This time of year, you're playing good teams no matter where you – you know, I think people I, – I always get a little bit annoyed by people worrying about what the brackets are going to be like or whatever. I mean, maybe that might have been a big deal in the 90s or whatever. But these days, you're pretty much going to have to play some good teams just to get to the Frozen Four. Um I, I just don't buy into that because I think people just they look at the end result and they say, oh well, it must be the coach's fault because it's that's the one consistent. And I get it. It's not like I don't understand that mentality, but it's I kind of feel like they just they don't really even know what the prep is. You know, what I mean, they just see an end result, and it's like some of these games, like we saw this last weekend. I mean. Uh, it, one bad decision by one player and it costs you. And it's like, am I supposed to blame 
the coach for that or not. You know what I mean? It's just, I guess it, it's a little too knee jerk and, and, and the thinking to me is a little too shallow. Thoughts on the prep Viggs? I think the prep is solid. I, you know, you hear the coaches talking about things they need to work on and it's puck management. It's play at the blue lines and making smart percentage plays and staying out of the penalty box. You know, it's easy for a lot of us to see those three aspects <laughs> of the game and say, they have to do those right. Now, the, the magic of being a great coach is getting that message across and having the players carry it out. And, you know, that's something, you know, we want them to encourage the players to do, but it's, it's up to the players to do it. My one critique of the coaching staff is I feel like, you know, they, they play their full lineup almost too much. And sometimes I would like to see them rely on their top players a little bit more. Uh, really, the only times you see the top players play more is in a special teams battle there's a lot of power play and penalty kill time. That's really the only time you see the top players from Minnesota get a lot of ice time. So I think that's that's the one critique I have at times of the coaching staff, but at the same time they develop a, a deep roster. They do develop a deep roster, but uh, I think your beef is legit. Uh, you know, let's let's double shift some guys when you need to. When you're down you're down a goal or you know, obviously at this time of year it's it's make or break. So uh I, th- I think that's a legitimate beef there, Viggs. You know, we'll just have to. Well, in my see. little you know, coaching experience I had, you know, <laughs> when you can put a top line out against you know a third or fourth line from the other team and catch them, you know, it makes a big momentum shift in the game. So if you can do that as a coach, you can really throw the momentum in the game. You get the other team worried about their matchups and lineups, and maybe they start putting out their their guys defensively to match up against your top guys. You know, it's it's little games like that that, you know, you'd like to see the coaches do sometimes. Bruce Boudreaux really does that well. We didn't do that for the Rubes, did we? No. <laughs> we just rolled three lines. That's all we did, man. We were successful. Yeah, I coached a little JV hockey and, you know, helped out uh, a varsity program for a little bit at St. Paul Academy. And, you know, our head coach got thrown out of a couple of games, so got a little bit of varsity experience that way. Well, there you go. You know, that's, that's, the, that's the fun part of coaching is doing the matchups. And uh, you saw Trent Clatt do that in the state high school tournament. He rode that number one line to a state title, whereas you saw Eden Prairie kind of be cautious with how they did middle stat, and I think it cost him in the end. Good point. Good point. Uh, Rob Shiel, our favorite Rob Shiel of the of the stats crew, wants to know how will injuries affect this team? Will they get to the Frozen Four? <laughs> kind of generic questions there by Rob, but uh, we know him, so I thought I'd read it. Uh, Hammy, we, obviously injuries have affected this team and uh, could be the reason why they don't get to the Frozen Four. You lose somebody like a Lindgren and a Novak. Um, <laughs> Uh, that makes a, a great team um, a little weak in some areas. Yeah, I mean, I think for me it's just more, I mean, not that Novak's not important, but we've had, you know, we've been living without him for a little while now, so I think that that's more of a, something that they've established. It's more the late loss of Lindgren. Uh, certainly defensively he's been one of our best players um, and I think that, you know, that's and you know, when you're bringing in somebody that hasn't pulled playing as much um, to replace him. And, you know, I, when I think about our opportunities to move forward and the fro, you know, in this tournament, I mean, to get to the frozen four, I really think that a lot of it's going to be team defense. I mean, we know we have good offensive players and Shearhorn has been playing much better. 
Um, so to me, it's about playing smart and playing pretty good defensively as an entire team. And um, certainly losing a good player like Lindgren and uh, late like we have, that's certainly something you have to change on the fly and it hurts. So that, that'd be the tough one for me. Well, Viggs, you know, it, over last season and this season, you know, Glover had been rotated in and out, you know, to, up until around the midpoint. And then they kind of rotated Glover out. And, you know, all the fans are like, oh, good, he can sit now. But um, is that going to cost him that he has not played much, you know, until this uh, past Friday night? Because they had been rotating him in quite often, you know, for a year and a half. Yeah, it was kind of surprising that they didn't stick with him throughout the, the season. I think it was a, a tough call on the coach's um, perspective, but at the same time, he didn't come into the season prepared. You know, he had the double shoulder surgery, which didn't allow him to really do anything in the offseason prepare. So he was he was well behind the other guys in trying to make a leap in his conditioning for the season. So I think that's kind of held him back. And, you know, maybe they've really focused on building back that strength by keeping him out of the games and making him work harder during the week. Maybe that's something they've done. Um, but he's, he's definitely a guy who's got great vision. Um, and he's, you know, it's not like they've completely shelved him in practice. And so they just need him to come in and eat up some minutes and, and make the smart percentage plays. And he's got enough experience where he knows what plays to make. Yeah. It's definitely good that we at least got him back into the lineup and, uh, got some ice time this past weekend. All right, boys, let's move on to the big NCAA tournament. Minnesota's back in the tournament after a, a little break from it. Um, you know, the the win by uh, Wisconsin, or the loss by Wisconsin, I should say, knocked them out and, and allowed Ohio State to sneak in as, a, as I believe, the 15 overall seed. I believe, the, I believe that Tech ended up being the last official team to get in. Um, but here we are. We have a solid tournament. We've got a lot of good regionals here. Um, let's start out west. Uh, Viggs, uh, some people may have been surprised, but uh, somebody had to go to Fargo, and and it's Duluth. He was going to face Ohio State, and, uh, you know, we've got Boston University playing uh, North Dakota, pretty much at home game for North Dakota, but, uh, boy, I, I, I wouldn't put it past somebody like a Boston University from coming out of that region because – um, Boston University is a pretty darn good team. The thing with BU is they've got so much young talent that it's hard for them to probably go into an atmosphere like Fargo is going to be and, and win two games against the teams they're going to have to play because they're going to have to play consistent hockey. Now they're going to have to avoid the, the turnovers and, and putting themselves in negative transition situations. Um, they're going to be a fun team to watch. But I, I don't see them coming out of the region. I think it's going to come down to a North Dakota uh, UMD final again. Hopefully they don't have an NCHC refing crew doing it again. <laughs> and they get someone who can control the game. Uh, we'll see what happens there. But, uh, yeah, those are going to be a bunch, three real good games to watch at least. But I think UMD is going to come out of the region. They're just so deep and talented. I don't know. I just... You know, you, you talk about, you know, some of those young players. A lot of those young players were playing for the junior team um, <laughs> against Canada in Canada. And that's uh, a lot of pressure and a lot of fans screaming at them. Um, Hammy, am I wrong to think Boston University could sneak out of there? Just just wishful thinking, maybe? Well, I mean, I think it'd be tough for them to win 
um, two games against you know two pretty good teams. I actually would not be shocked if they beat North Dakota because I don't think North Dakota's necessarily been playing great hockey. And I think contrary to kind of what Vig said about young players, sometimes being having that youth, I mean, it's almost like you're oblivious to the pressure in a way because you're just sort of just out there and sometimes young guys don't overthink it. Um, sometimes they do, sometimes they don't. I mean, you just, you never know, but I've seen instances where young teams really actually thrive because they just play loose, on a, you know, as a young team. So um, they got a lot of talent. So I don't think they're going to win two games in a row. I would agree that I would expect UMD to come out of that region. I actually you know, and it's not meant as a disrespect thing, but I kind of feel like there isn't really any one great team. I really don't think UMD is as great as some people think they are. Um, not that they're not going to win it all. I mean, they might win it all, but I'm just saying I don't really don't see a team out there that I'm like, oh, God, you know, I hope we don't face them. Or I hope, you know, I, I, quite honestly, I didn't want to be in the Fargo region, and, you know, but that was mainly because I didn't want to play North Dakota, you know, basically in a home game kind of an environment. I'd play them anywhere else, no problem. But we knew if we we're going to be a two seed, that's where we we're going to go. So, um, other than that, I didn't even care so much who we were going to play in the first round. So, hopefully, it's a situation where um, we'll have some entertaining games because uh, it's it's a fun time of year. Well, for me, it's the greatest weekend of the year, bar none. Uh, yeah, you sit down Friday afternoon, you're solid hockey uh, for the whole weekend. Um, for me, you know, like I said, I. I Boy, Boston University is the two seed playing the three seed, North Dakota. I wouldn't be surprised at all if they could come out of that region. I, yeah, I'm a little hesitant out of that, but I, I do believe they can beat North Dakota. I, I think North Dakota is beatable. Um, uh, but most likely it, it is going to be a Duluth coming out of there. They're, they're playing so well, and they're a very deep team. So, um, On the other side of that large bracket, you know, you've got the East Regional in Providence, Rhode Island, where you got Harvard playing Providence, Air Force playing Western Michigan. Um, boy, a, another guy, very entertaining bracket, Viggs. Well, if, if I were to pick one bracket where I, I'd say this team is coming out of this region is not going to win the Frozen Four, it's this one. Um, you know, there's some big-name teams in there who've had a history of success, but I just... Don't see a team there that wows me. Um, Harvard hasn't lost a game in the calendar year. Come out of there, though, dude. Harvard hasn't lost a game in the calendar year. Well, they play in the ECAC. They they play less games than everybody, but they're still winning. It's hard to know how it's hard to know how good they are. I think because they don't play a a very difficult schedule. I don't know. I just (laughs) they're they're the number three overall seed for a reason, and maybe their schedule is not as bad, but. uh, Boy, it's really hard to overlook them. Hammy, do you have any thoughts in that region? Western Michigan, Air Force, Providence, Harvard? Are you there, Hammy? Ah, uh, yeah, sorry about that. I had it on. <laughs> Did you have it on mute, too? Your moves. I pulled it on one of your moves, yeah. So. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I, I expect Harvard to come out of that region. I, I do. Yeah, it wouldn't shock me if a team like, you know, Western you know, came out, you know, just because they do play some pretty good hockey throughout the year. Um, and, you know, they're battle tested. So, you know, if they matched up against uh, Harvard, I could see them, you know, giving them quite a battle. So it, it wouldn't shock me either one of those teams come out of that region. 
it's just tough for me with Harvard to look at their schedule and see the teams they played that were good. It's like they played Quinnipiac and lost. They played BU and lost. You know, they they played uh, Union and lost, Dartmouth and lost. It's just, you know, you see that stuff happen on a, a team schedule and you don't see them play, you know, really anybody from the NCHC or Big Ten. You know, that kind of stands out to me. Yeah, that's fair enough. I mean, uh, they could easily lose. So uh, um, for me, I kind of do like Western Michigan out of that bracket. Uh, obviously, they play a tough schedule in the Nacho Conference, and uh, um, I, I think that's they're going to come out of the East, and they'll end up facing probably like a Duluth in the Frozen Four. So, moving to the Midwest in Cincinnati, we've got Denver as the number one overall seed facing uh, Michigan Tech and Penn State in their first tournament facing Union. Um, Hammy, Denver has been. Pretty much the number one team all year. I don't think they're going to have too much trouble with Michigan Tech. You never know, but uh, Denver really is one of the top teams. Yeah, I'd agree. I think that they should, you know, I I believe that they'll come out of that region. Um, I'll be interested to see how Penn State kind of, you know, if they continue the momentum or, you know, they basically blew their wad against, you know, (laughs) this last weekend. You know, it's, it's. Oh, yeah. It's a lot of hockey, you know, and it's like it is great to, you know, succeed like that. But there is kind of that emotional high that you're coming off of. And you're like, is that sustainable or not? They had to play a lot of hockey to get there. Um, And so you kind of wonder if they're going to be able to, you know, how they're going to look coming into that first game. So but I, I think it's everybody would say that Denver's the odds on favorite to come out of that region. Viggs convinced it or union surprise in that bracket. I think it's going to be tough for them to, to overcome DU in a region final. I think one of the interesting things about that Union-Penn State game is looking at some of the offshore lines for this upcoming weekend, they have the highest over-under at 7.5. So you're expecting a lot of offense in that game if that's what they're setting the over-under at. Um, be an entertaining game to watch. It'll be interesting to see if Penn State can keep the momentum or if you know, once again, that that emotion of just getting there, you know, winning a conference tournament, you know, they've already got a banner to raise, you know, making an appearance is a big deal for their program, being placed in a regional with Denver, how much motivation do they have and how much juice do they have to their game? You know, the one thing is, you know, if Peyton Jones can keep playing the way he did this last weekend there, um, they could go anywhere. I think one one slight advantage that a few of those teams might have is they might be able to get a crowd there. I mean, you're not going to see any Denver fans there, most likely. But you know what? Tech is not too far. I mean, well, I probably I guess it is a little bit, but but Penn State, Penn State's not far from Cincinnati. You know, I, I, this is their chance to really support their team. So uh, that's I'll be the- looking for Penn State jerseys in Cincinnati because you know you hear all this talk about how Penn State didn't ruin college hockey. Well, if they want to make a name for themselves, they should show up in Cincinnati, Ohio. You know, book that airfare, get there, and support your team if you want to. You know, make yourself proud. <laughs> I've seen a lot of people on GPL figuring out ways to get to Manchester, New Hampshire. Yeah, I'm sorry, I'm not paying this. 400 to 600 bucks to do that. And that's just me. I'm just a cheap ass though. So, so pretty much consensus that Denver's going to come out of there. Um, we'll see about some of those other brackets, but I think we're feeling the most strongly that Denver will come out of that region. 
And uh, that region will face the Northeast region where Minnesota is, the final number one seed. They'll playing Notre Dame. Everyone loves to talk up, you know, the Lucia thing with that. Cornell and Mass Lowell on the other side. Uh, Hammy Mass Lowell, um, the two seed in this region, but, you know, essentially they are equal or as good as Minnesota. Their, their RPI difference was a thousandth difference. Um, um, for Minnesota, this is technically the toughest bracket because they would pay the highest seed closest to them uh, if they win. Uh, but let's start over with Mass Lowell and Cornell. I mean, I haven't heard much about Cornell this year, but uh, we have heard about Mass Lowell, and they sound like a very solid team. Yeah, I mean, if you look at their schedule, I mean, they basically only lost one game in the last, you know, what, 12 or so at least. I mean, they've um, been playing pretty good hockey. They had a little bit of a rough stretch in January, but other than that, they've been playing very good hockey over the course of the last, you know, three so months. So um, I think that uh, they're going to be a pretty tough team if we end up facing them. Um, but uh yeah, it's going to be kind of a pick em. I mean, I, I don't really think either of these games, people will worry about, like I said, the brackets. But to me, it's like, I think the Notre Dame game for the Gophers is going to be a tough one. I do think that we'll come out on top in that game, but I don't expect it to be anything of a, you know, a blowout by any means. I think it's going to be a tight game there. And um, certainly it's probably going to be, if we face UMass, it's going to be kind of a pick em type of a game. So, um, you know, where it might be an overtime kind of a game and, uh, so, I, I, you know, I think we have a tough bracket. I think that we have some uh, matchups that are going to really challenge us, you know, both the you know, first game, if we get by that, then the second game, I think uh, we'd probably end up playing UMass, and that'll be a challenge. So, hope the boys are bringing their A game this weekend. Well, you know, if you want to be successful, you got to beat the tough teams, Viggs, and uh, I think uh, if, if Minnesota gets past Notre Dame, and I'm guessing Maslow will take care of Cornell, boy, that, that could be a wonderful regional final. Yeah, UMass Lowell has been hot. You know, they've they've played a very good stretch of hockey here. They played a, a tough non-conference schedule. You know, they played Minnesota Duluth. You know, they, they were the one team that gave it to Penn State earlier in the season, I think. Um, and they've got older guys. You know, this is a 23, 25-year-old group of guys. You know, they don't have very many 20, 21-year-olds even on the roster. So this is going to be a tough team to play against hard nose. I think it's going to come down to whether or not Minnesota can manage the puck. You know, if they can avoid the catastrophic mistakes and avoid taking penalties, you know, they're going to be in this game. I'm also curious to see how Lucia uses his top line to see if he tries to do anything unique with them or if he just kind of rolls it and says, guys, let's let's see what you can do on your own. Um, but it's the toughest region, I think. All, all four teams in there are pretty good. And one thing that uh, you kind of mentioned there are penalties, and we've seen it uh, many, many times. Uh, Minnesota um, <laughs> having to kill a lot of penalties in these uh, regional uh, games because you know they're, they've got a different refing crew. They call it a little tighter. Um, boy, a, a penalty kill is going to be so vital, and staying out of the box is going to be huge this weekend, Hammy. Absolutely. I mean, we haven't had the greatest penalty kill this year at times. And certainly, you know, you have to limit those special teams opportunities for the other team. And like I mentioned earlier, you have to play very smart defensively. And um, that's everybody from the defensemen all the way to the forwards, you know, taking care of their responsibilities in the defensive zone 
and Shearhorn playing, you know, the way he's been playing lately. So um, it's going to take a total team effort, you know, and I, and I do like the idea of, you know, shortening the bench at times, especially with some of the TV timeouts and things of that nature. So hopefully that's something that they're going to take advantage of. Um, they get the last change so they can try to dictate some of the matchups. So hopefully that they can play that to their advantage as well. So, Hammy, do you think Minnesota is going to come out of this region? You feeling good? Um, <laughs> you know, I mean, I you know, I like I think I mentioned it a few weeks ago. One of the parents of one of the current players asked me about you know how I feel, and you know, we all in. And I'm like, yeah, we're all in. You know, I th- I mean, I, I honestly don't think that there's one team out there that I'm like is so you know such a huge favor. I mean, Denver's lost. Um. Yeah, I just don't see a great team out there. Um, I, I do think we have gaps in our current team, especially with a Lindgren being out. Um, I, I, you know, there's a. I think we're going to win the first game. It won't surprise me if we end up losing to UMass in the second game. Um, so that's kind of where I'm leaning right now. But the goal for fan in me um, says, you know, we're all in and we can do it. So, but I, that if I was going to think with my head, I'd probably say win one, lose one this weekend. Viggs, can Minnesota do it? I definitely think this team has the the makeup of a team that can make a deep run in the playoffs. You know, they've got a very steady goaltender who has changed his approach where he, he challenges shooters, and he's been very effective doing that in the second half of the season. I think his save percentage in the second half of the year is over like 9-2, 9-3, which is very good. The key is going to come down to decision-making and discipline. Uh, I think this team has done a pretty good job of limiting their penalties for the most part, but they do take that you know, neutral zone, offensive zone penalty every once in a while, and it costs them. So if they can you know, avoid that, I think this team is undefeated when they're perfect on the penalty kill. And I think that's the one thing that could get them is if they take too many penalties and give up power play goals against, that could sink them. But if they can avoid that and play smart hockey, you know, this team could easily get to Chicago. Well, like you said, I believe that uh, you know you're going to get some kind of East hockey, or you know, it won't be hockey East refs, but uh, ECAC. You'll probably have ECAC refs in this game, and uh, they're going to call it tight. And uh, you know, it's you, I just cannot stress enough of staying out of the box because um, the things that weren't getting called before are going to get called this weekend. And uh, you, I hope Lucia stresses that because we see it every year. Um, teams that are like this and they just keep they, they give up two or three power play goals um, and they're always in the box so uh, boy that's my biggest fear on the weekend is uh, is being in the bo- in the box I don't know what else to say it's a big it's a big thing to watch for <laughs> you know it, it plays such a huge role in these these games that are going to be low scoring because most teams are very conservative in their game plan chipping pucks behind D you know all the things that coaches talk about wanting their guys to do. The players typically do listen to that stuff in the playoffs. It's whether or not they can stay out of the box. So it'll be the big challenge. Well, regardless, like I've, we, like I said earlier, um, this is my favorite weekend of the year. Um, not last weekend, or and not even the Frozen Four weekend. Uh, this weekend is my favorite. You know, with all the one and done games, uh, I'm just on my couch the entire weekend, and even you know, at work streaming it, doing whatever I have to do to to see these games. <laughs> Praying for some lengthy overtimes. (laughs) 
True. You know, if you know if if Mass Lowell and Cornell can go to five overtimes, that'd be wonderful. You know, can make it make it a, a late game for Minnesota Saturday night, but uh, you know, that, that's what makes these tournaments so great. Uh, uh, we all love it. Um, you know, even if Minnesota wasn't there, I'm still glued to my couch watching it all weekend because it's it's always a it's always a fun weekend, and you know you can usually you can have one game streaming on your phone while you get another game up on the TV or whatever. Um, you know, people have complained about the coverage of ESPN. You know, I believe some games are only on ESPN three showing live, but you know what? Put it up on your laptop or your computer, your phone, and uh, there's access to all these games. Whereas there wasn't as much access in the past. Uh, if you had a special sports package, you might see a game on Nesson or something like that. But uh, ESPN does a pretty good job to get them as much as they can on live. So. Enjoy the weekend, folks. You know whether Minnesota wins or not. It's it's uh, it's college hockey. It's what it's why we're all here. So uh, if you're not at the game, make sure you're watching it. Um, boy, that's pretty much all I have for this week. Uh, Veeks, um, uh, we had some audio for uh, media day today. Yep, you'll hear Lucia talk about you know making smart plays, playing the percentages, um, the benefits of having Smatula and. Glover back in the lineup getting, you know, a lengthy overtime game experience under their belt. Uh, you'll hear Ryan Collins talk about the, the decor, what they need to do well. So one of the interesting things he had to say was talking about Shearhorn not just being a, a goalie that they have confidence in stopping the puck, but helping them in their retrievals and breakout and how he's a, a very vocal goaltender back there helping them out. Something that's kind of underrated, I think, throughout hockey is communication and and this year's team definitely seems to communicate very well. Um, and then you'll have uh, Mike Smatula talking about being a little chipper at Joe Lewis Arena when he was little and trying <laughs> to convince the rest of the Gophers that it's a great rink. Uh, I think most people are happy to see it being replaced. But he and uh, Brent Gates Jr. have some special memories of, of the Red Wings. Well, it's, it, it's a great old arena. So, I mean, maybe they didn't keep it up like they should have. Like, you know, you got a Madison Square Garden that's kept up pretty well, but... Uh, uh, they're getting something new in, in Detroit, so they should be happy. And I think going back to campus sites for the the conference tournaments, the right move. You saw the great atmosphere at Michigan Tech yes. for their WCHA final. I think it's something that all the leagues need to take a look at, even the NCHC, because if North Dakota doesn't make their final, there's no crowd there either. So it's it's just something we were spoiled by the WCHA final five, and I think it's probably in the best interest of college hockey to not – not go to these big neutral sites where the crowds can be so iffy. Well, I sure enjoyed uh, publishing those numbers this weekend. I, I love getting this discussion going. People get all bitter. Um, kind of get out the fishing pole and reel them in because, you know, sure, I know people are angry, and I just kind of I kind of prey on that a little bit. I know Amy and I had some back and forth this week and uh, last week, so I think it's fun banter, Hammy. I, yeah, I mean, to me, it's just indifferences of way of looking at things. That's all. So I, I don't disagree. <laughs> well, the plan is, you know, if, if Minnesota loses this week, um, we'll be back to recap of the week or the, the, the season uh, next Wednesday. If they do just, uh, make it to the Frozen Four, we'll probably take a, a week off and we'll come back the Wednesday before the Frozen Four and, and have another show. What do you think about that, guys? Does that work for you guys? 
Sounds good. Yeah. Good plan. I think it's a plan as well. So, like I said, if, if we're back next week, it means our team is lost and we're done. Hopefully, we'll be back in two weeks and be talking about uh, a Frozen Four in Chicago. Enjoy the weekend, folks. It's the best weekend of the year. It's our favorite sport. Thanks for listening. program well what do you see in them as a first round player well a lot like our own team uh they've got a really good goaltender in cal peterson uh certainly one of the best goalies in college hockey they've got a mobile defensive core that'll get up into play uh, i think jordan gross has 10 goals on the season right now uh, their top end guys are, are real good and uh you know it's we played them eight times and ended up five and three in the last four years and all the games were close and um you know that's obviously the expectation this weekend Perhaps it's a bit premature, but what do you think of uh, playing them more in the upcoming years? Well, I think it's good for our league. There's no question that we want to try to get to eight teams, and now we're at seven. And, um, you know, they're obviously a very good program, and it's a perfect fit as far as the other Big Ten members. And, and it was a logical seventh, and now we'll figure out who the logical eighth is if there is one. Quite a few guys on your team, including your goaltender, are going to be first-time participants in the tournament. How do you manage any nerves they might feel? Well, I don't know if you can. I mean, it's just you try to prepare like any other game. Uh, obviously, there's a little more magnitude in, in the format when it, when it is one and done, but I don't think you have to do anything different. Um, I, I don't expect you guys to practice any harder or practice any longer or prepare any different for, from one week to the next. And, and uh, you know, I thought Eric played really well uh, the last game. Uh, he's played really well the second half of the season. And obviously we know that's going to be a key component is uh, uh, the goaltending play. Uh, but we've got to do a good job in front of them. And uh, there's areas of our game that we have to be better at than last weekend, and hopefully we will. What do we need to see from the D with Lindgren out and then again with Eric being a first-timer in the NCAA? Well, I, I think it's more of our forwards have to do a good job of uh, you know, not turning pucks over just inside the offensive blue line. Uh, we have to do a good job coming back, make sure we don't get caught with odd man rushes. It's just, you know, it's, you got to play well defensively this time of the year. Um, goals are our premium, and, uh, uh, you know, it's specialty teams have to be good, and, you know, this is a time when, you know, you make, you know, one poor decision or take a bad penalty, and, you know, it, your season is over. So you just, I want our guys to play free. I want them to play confident. I want them to play on their toes. I want them to make plays, but, you know, just play the percentages, you know. Some guys are better off, still can make a play maybe when it's 50-50 or 60-40, and other guys, you know, when it's 50-50, maybe it's really 10-90 for them. You know, so they have to understand that and, and, and make, make those good decisions because it's, it's all sports. I mean, you know, you're playing a playoff football game, you better not fumble or throw an interception. And, you know, basketball, you turn it over a lot. You know, they get those, second, uh, those transition baskets. And same thing with hockey. I mean, we, we gave up one goal in a transition play just inside the offensive line last game and gave up a couple power play goals. And, you know, you end up going home when, that, when you do that. Now that you've had a few days to uh, sit back and look at the video, what do you make of your team's performance in double overtime? I thought we were we got better in the overtimes. I, I thought that uh, uh, as the game went on, I thought our play was better. I thought that uh, you know we had some good looks to try to end it, which we didn't. Um, uh, I, I thought Eric did a good job. I mean, you can't fault him on the, on the backdoor goal in any way. Um, and and 
I think that's good for us because a lot of times you get in these NCAA games and, you know, you do get into overtime, so you, you get a feel of what that's all about and, and just just playing smart. I mean, you get to this time, and you just you want your guys to play the best they can play, and then so be it. Um, you know, we're in a really good regional. I've watched, you know, Notre Dame play twice, Cornell play twice, Lowell play, and all three are really good teams. And, uh, uh, you know, any I think any of the four teams can come out based on, you know, how they play this weekend. You know, the Eastern teams are going to have a little bit of a home ice advantage, especially Lowell being, you know, less than an hour from their campus. I think they'll end up with a good crowd. Cornell always travels well. And uh, it should be, you know, a really good matchup with Notre Dame and ourselves. You've known Justin Clue since he was just a, you know, I don't know how long, but a long time. Um, how have you seen him mature as as a as a person, even away from the hockey rink? Well, I mean, Justin's just always been a, a first class kid. I mean, he, and he was young. I mean, he's got a, comes from a great family. Uh, he's brought up the right way. Um, There's no question when he came into our program that he was going to be a captain here someday. That this is where he wanted to play and. Um, he's given us, you know, everything to this program, and uh, you know he's going to walk away with, you know, adding a lot of banners to the rafters and getting his degree and, and having an opportunity to play professionally after this. But, you know, we don't we don't want that to, to happen too soon here. Um, so the concentration is is you know that's always a danger too. You get to the end, it's like you know okay, you know what's next? You know what's next is you know Saturday, and let's keep our focus. On, on what's ahead of us here. Well, Don, you've gone the distance and you've seen everything in the NCAA tournaments. Aside from goaltending, is there a common denominator that you see when you go a long ways in the tournament? Yeah, I, I think, uh, you know, sometimes you, you get in there and the guys kind of seem to have dead legs, and, you know, and for whatever reason. Other times, I mean, they feel great, and, you know, we're trying to do everything we can that, um, that their motion's involved in the game, and, you know, the puck drops, we need a lively bench, and we need the talking, and we need the communication, and, and that's usually a good sign that the guys are ready and excited to play. And, you know, some years you get in there and it's quiet, and, you know, whether it's the moment or anything else. And so, you know, I've seen both sides. I've seen, I've had teams where you got to get there, got to get there, got to get there, and then you get there and it's like, huh, we made it, we're done. And then other teams, you know, you, they surprise you and, and they go on a really good run. So, uh, you know, you do it long enough, you, you see it all. And uh, I think this group is, is a talented group. Um, you know, they've played together as, as a team all year long. I, I don't know if we're a bunch of superstars. We're a bunch of good players that, you know, are playing for the right reason for each other and the program. And um, we're just going to go there and drop the puck. And I just I want them to play their best. That, that's the big thing for me is just, you know, play on your toes, make plays. You know, you got to go win the game too. You can't just sit back. You got to go win it. How important is parking in neutral zones? Well, in the well, it's it's that transition. Uh, Notre Dame's a good transition team. They're going to jump up into the play, and you know, if you if you shorten the rink on anybody, I mean, you just leave yourself really vulnerable. And and uh, you know, that's something we've been trying to stress and stress and stress that uh, you don't have a play. There's nothing wrong with you know making them go 200 feet, and and uh, you know they'll play the same way. Uh, and, and that's why I, I think it's a really good matchup on Saturday. It should be a really good brand of hockey. What's really been the message of practice, knowing that's a win-and-go-home situation? Uh, I, I think number one is just taking care of the puck. I mean, you got to be battle-ready. Battle um, I mean, the, whether it's defending and, and uh, really digging in defensively, and, you know, team defense is, is the most important thing because you're not going to have a bunch of odd-man rushes. You're not going to have uh, – uh, you got to defend. You know, you got you got to take care of your net front. Uh, just – the game almost shrinks a little bit, you know, you get to them because people are a little bit more conservative. They don't want to make a mistake. So, you know, that's why you see the the, the scores usually go down this time of the year. And you're seeing really good teams and good goaltenders. And, you know, it's just that's what happens that you get to this point. 
What does the top forward playing hard defensively and blocking shots do for the rest of the team as a whole? Well, it just it kind of gives an indication of where we're at mentally uh, that we're you know going to be involved and we're going to sell out in a game. I mean that that's pretty evident when you know the, the ten minutes we you know we haven't been consistently good the first ten minutes of a game. Obviously, that's going to be really important this weekend that uh, we start well. I, I I think it's really important that we get off to a good start. Uh, yeah, everybody that, uh, yeah. that that can play, you know, is available. Other than two guys. All right. Good. Good. Thanks. Thanks. Thank you. Of the, uh, I guess, the new infusion of uh, Jack Glover into the lineup for after a little bit of an absence. What was uh, the game like, especially going uh, extra for to extra time on Saturday or Friday? Uh, I mean, it was it was good. It was a good test for us. Um, you know, I think he played well. Like it, our team's motto is kind of next man up. You know, we've had a couple injuries this year, and and guys have done a really good job of stepping up and uh, you know filling that role. So I think he he did a great job of that for his first game. And as far as overtime, I think it was good for for our team to play in a high high pressure playoff game like that uh, heading into the weekend. You were there two years ago uh, when uh, in Manchester when things didn't go right. What do you think needs, you guys need to do this time around? I mean, I think it's completely different. I mean, we have a we have a different team. Uh, it's hard to hard to kind of compare then and now. Uh, I think our our biggest focus right now is um, you know on ourselves. Um, you know we need to we need to manage the puck better than we did last weekend. Uh, we need to clear the net front a little bit better than we did last weekend, and and not let them get as many shots as uh, as they did. So those are kind of our our focuses from last weekend to this weekend. But you kind of learn from that experience, and maybe you kind of been uh, giving advice to for the younger guys. I mean, I think the biggest thing, and Jake Bischoff said it best in our practices, doesn't matter what year you are, you know, you don't know how many chances you're going to get to to do this. And, you know, as a freshman, you, you play in the tournament, you think we're going to make the tournament every year. Then, of course, last year we didn't. That's that's kind of a wake-up call. So, um, you know, guys that have been here feel lucky to be to be able to have this chance again and uh, are a little more confident this time around going into it. Did playing a double overtime game on Friday, guys, despite the result, give you guys a little bit of confidence that you can do it if the situation comes up again? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think that was the first chance we had that we really played a full overtime. Uh, we played a couple five minutes. I think we only went into, like, one shootout this year. It usually ended in, in the five minutes of overtime. So, um, yeah, it is a good situation to, to practice, and it was good to, to get a little exposure to that. Um, do you think, uh, I mean, from the defensive core standpoint, seeing uh, Eric put on such a such a good show, uh, saving I think almost 50, almost fifty shots. What kind of confidence does the defensive core just have after you see a performance like that? Gives you a lot of confidence, and I mean, uh, we always have confidence in our goaltender. I mean, he's he's obviously proven that uh, he's a he's a great goaltender, and uh, he gives us confidence not just through saving pucks, but little things like talking to us, telling us, you know. What he's what he's going to do with the puck and puck retrievals and things like that. So the defense, especially working with the goalie, is is big. We have a lot of confidence in uh, his abilities. Uh, so last weekend was your first game back. What did what did it really feel like? You feel right back in the swing of things? Uh, took me a little bit, I think a period or two. Uh, you know, I got my win back, and after that, it was pretty smooth sailing. So it's happy to get back again before uh, it was single elimination here in the regionals. As a Detroit guy, how did it feel to be able to play at the Joe? It felt cool. I mean, I was telling the guys the whole weekend, it's the best rink pretty much ever. I don't know how many uh, people believe me except Gates, but no, it, was pretty, <laughs> it was really fun to get there. Had friends and family come. Uh, so growing up, going to games there, it was a really cool experience. Had you ever played there before? Uh, I think I was there. 
I played in between games or in between periods of the Red Wings game when I was like six. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what were the ice conditions that, that we did? Uh, they were good for how much hockey was being played on there. I thought so. What was the most important thing to practice before coming back? Uh, I mean, you just want to make sure your hand, hands are there. You know, you try to keep your card up as best you can, but nothing really takes place of that except playing games. So, um, yeah, just watching film and. Like uh, like I said, just being patient with it and uh, being ready to go when when now uh, you're cleared. What was really the message of practice this week? Uh, I think you know we're, we're focusing on the details, um, doing a lot of film, focusing on the little things, uh, face off, face off plays. Really, it's just attention to detail because, um, like it's been in the past, you know, face off loss for a goal can end a team season, um, and nobody wants to uh, to have that. So just attention to detail. You have experience playing Notre Dame and playing UMass Lowell from time in hockey. So what have you kind of been telling the guys? Uh, they're you know they're a really hard nosed team to play against. Uh, it's a tough league over there. So obviously both teams having a good year, um, but I don't think much changes. You know we we just want to make sure we play our game, and uh, you know if we eliminate our own mistakes, we're we're going to be just fine. So that's the message really. Is it difficult to go and play teams that you maybe not you don't know or you haven't seen any play this season? Uh, I think. It, for me personally, I feel like it works for an advantage for us just because, you know, both teams, I, I don't, it's more just what you're going to do, you know. It's one game, you, you never see them, so you try to do as much film as you can, but it really comes down to who plays their game better and uh, doesn't shoot themselves in the foot. How are you guys feeling about playing your own game coming off of that uh, double overtime? Uh, you know, I think we feel pretty good even after that. Uh, you know, it's a tough way to lose, but we've had a great, great, uh, great year so far. And um, a lot of confidence in the room this week, so I know we're all excited to get going. You guys are without Lindgren and Eric Shearhorn. It's going to be a first-time NCAA goalie. What does the team as a whole need to do defensively to make sure that everything's in, in place? Well, I think, you know, obviously losing Ryan, he's, he's a huge part of our defensive core this year. But, you know, that's what being a team is, is part of. I know we want to raise our level of play for him. And also Eric's been a rock all year, so we got guys that are going to step in. Um, like I said, we want to play for Ryan, and you know he he's been a big part of why we're at where we are right now. So um, yeah, I think we just play our same game and uh, make sure that defense first. Cause that's most important. Have you played in that rink in Manchester? Or do you know anything about it? Uh, no, I haven't played there. I, I don't know anything about it. All good. Yep. Yeah, thanks. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you.